Welcome to Moneyline. This is Matt McCall. Thanks for joining me here today as we wrap up the week. It is June 18th. We got a big show coming up. We're going to talk about a topic that has been a really big topic this week with the Fed meeting. We'll delve into that a bit. But more importantly, what rising interest rates mean? Are they coming? Are they not? Mixed messages from the Fed. And just to be ready in case they do, we're going to list the sectors, the investments, and of course, some company names to invest to hedge against potential rising interest rates. All this and more coming up right now on Moneyline. The buck starts here. Moneyline with Matt McCall. Again, this is Matt McCall. Thanks for joining me. It is Friday, June 18th, 2021. Uh, still down here in Nicaragua, as you can see. Um, I have a hat on and I'll, I'll stop wearing a hat next week. I have a haircut in about... Uh, 54 minutes. So when the guy shows up to cut my hair, uh, I will then be able to uh, take the hat off. I've been in meetings all morning here. It's about 9.06 a.m., 11.06 East Coast time uh, right now in the markets. And we're about to talk about the markets here in a moment. But uh, one of the great things here is uh, you get your hair cut here. They come to your house. It takes about an hour because it's so intense. They literally shave every little thing off the side. Uh, I wish it was actually quicker. But for six bucks, you know, you, you could sit there for an hour and, and talk some Spanglish with the uh, gentleman who cuts my hair, who also happens to make the kombucha here in the farm. So, I mean, you talk about hustling, that is hustling, folks. And there's nothing like a Nika haircut, I got to tell you. So we will have the hat back off next week. But in the meantime, let's talk about the markets. And I'm looking over here because I have my other computer set up over here on the desk. And a few things. One, we have the Dow down right now, 500 points. Uh, which is about a 1.5% pullback. We have the S&P down about 44, about 1%. NASDAQ down just under 100 points. That's about a 7 tenths percent pullback. Russell 2000 down 1.5%. Oil's up uh, about 1.2. Gold's uh, basically unchanged. Uh, and then we have Bitcoin over the last 24 hours down 5.5%. We'll talk about all that going forward. And silver's having a nice day, uh, up 8 tenths of a percent here today. We'll talk about all those uh, indexes and commodities here in a moment, but what I find fascinating is, I don't even know why I go to CNBC anymore.com because it just irritates me, but I like to see what the headlines are because I need to keep in touch. The headline right here, the biggest thing you see, Dow drops 500 points, extending losses in its worst week since January. What they're not talking about is that the NASDAQ and all the growth stocks are holding up much better. Uh, we have some stocks that are holding up very well today, and they're, but they're not talking about that. They're talking about the fact that the Dow's down. Again, it's only a 1.5% move. It's big, but it's not the end of the world. It's not a headline worst week we've seen. It, and again, th these are true statements. They're just spun out of proportion. As I've always said, it just doesn't, they're focusing on clicks and eyeballs and all the other BS. When in reality, they should be talking about the fact that money's rotating back into the sectors that have been beaten down. They only look for the beaten down sectors, not where money's flowing back into it. Uh, and we're gonna talk about that again, showing you exactly where money is flowing uh, right now. So again, uh, this is the, the time that you really have to ignore those headlines, look through those bushy trees and see what's on the other side, a uh, beautiful lagoon to go swimming, uh, or in this fact, uh, some great growth stocks that are holding up doing well, great opportunities uh, for the long term. Also keep in mind, uh, the Dow right here is only 4.5% off its all-time high. And the Dow had a hell of a run as, as money went into the Dow and out of the NASDAQ and small caps. So a 4.5% pullback as money rotates back out, is, it's just normal. 
And they're making it sound like this is not normal. And that's, that's what concerns me. This is extremely, extremely normal. So let's take a look at some of the charts here. We'll look at the Dow here first, okay? So the Dow Jones Industrial Average down about 511 points right now, near the low of the day. But again, from this closing high, we're down 4.5%. So it's not the end of the world. And you look at where the Dow has come from. And the Dow has 30 very large cap stocks. Also, you know, where the Dow has come uh, year to date, again, still up extremely high. I'm going to try and figure out that percentage for you right now. But still doing well uh, year to date. Let's see if I can get up here. So it's still up about 9.5% or so, give or take, uh, where it is right now. With the pullback. Again, 9.5%, let's annualize that out. You're looking at you're almost done with six months. You're looking at 19.5%. That's a hell of a return for the Dow Jones Industrial Average. Keep that in mind. Now let's flop over here and that's down about 1.5%. Let's take a look at the spiders here, the S&P 500. Down about 1.4% now. Uh, again, near the lows of the day. This seems to be a, a nice uptrend line that we're sitting on. But again, four days off the best close that we've ever seen. So into perspective, folks, always consider that. Uh, the NASDAQ down about six tenths of a percent. One day off the best close ever. Yesterday, the NASDAQ 100 closed at the best price ever. We can't hit new highs every single day. Now let's go over to ARK. I've been following this a lot because I think this is a good barometer for us, for innovation stocks, for growth stocks, for the big picture stuff I talk about. Look at that. You're not going to see that in CNBC because that doesn't get a click. Oh, we're up a quarter percent. But I, I've been telling you folks, this is the barometer. It's now up 20% off its lows. This is the barometer of the long-term investing. I'm not seeing you go out and buy ARC. No, nothing here is a buy or sell recommendation. But it, for us, it's a nice index. We use the Dow as an index. The Dow is actually a, pretty much a terrible barometer of, of how stocks do in general in the United States. It's 30 companies and 30 large companies and some old stodgy companies are in there. So it, it doesn't necessarily give you a real snapshot of how the overall U.S. stock market's doing. I use the S&P 500, but it's the 500 largest companies in the U.S. It's not worldwide. It's just large cap. So we have to just look at things as, as how we're investing. And, you know, a lot of my investing that I do is going to be based around this type of long-term growth. And again, let me zoom out and show you the long-term of this. This is I, this, from below $20 in 2016 to about 160 And it's pulled back and still at 120 That's what I'm going to be invested in. And it doesn't go straight up. There's a pullback with the pandemic. Uh, there's a pullback, the, the bear market that we had in, in growth stocks, innovation stocks at the end of 2018. Great buying opportunity. Uh, opportunities abound is what I'm trying to get at here. And pullbacks like this end up being those great opportunities. So I don't give a rat's you know what about what is going on with the Dow right now. Uh, sure, I watch it, but that doesn't, it's not indicative of most people's investing. So just keep that in mind. All right, so... That's where we're staying with the markets right now. Let's talk about cryptos real quick. I talked about uh, Bitcoin uh, being back, uh, pulled back about 5.5% uh, over the last 24 hours. Uh, we have Bitcoin right now, I believe, around 37.5, if not mistaken. Uh, now it's 37, actually, down 37 uh, even. So it's pulled back. I don't like the action recently, in the short term. I'm a long-term holder of Bitcoin and altcoins. I just don't like the action in the short term. And going into the weekend, weekends are always weird. I feel like there's either spikes one way or the other. Could we retest the low 30s again? Sure. I still think we hit new highs by the end of the year. That means above 65,000. Uh, I still think that's the odds of that are very, very good. But again, that's one man's opinion. That's my opinion. So uh, I still like it. I like buying on dips here. I think there's still a lot 
to it going long term. And you know, the news out in the last 24 hours, <coughs> excuse me, uh, Goldman Sachs, they're going to they're continuing to make a push into it. And they're working with uh, Galaxy Digital, which is uh, Mike Novogratz's firm. You probably know him. He's a big bull when it comes to Bitcoins. Obviously, he's got a lot of money invested in it. Uh, but it's going to the, the um, partnership with with Galaxy is going to allow Goldman Sachs to offer more uh, exposure to Bitcoin uh, through the Bitcoin futures uh, to uh, their clients, probably high net worth clients to begin with. But this puts pressure on other firms, other big brokerage firms, other big asset managers, because if Goldman's offering it and you're a high net worth client and you want exposure to Bitcoin, but your firm says, ah, we, can, we don't offer that yet, they're going to go to Goldman. So it opens a door. And again, as I've talked about with Bitcoin specifically, it's an economic thing. It's economics 101. You probably learned this in high school. Supply versus demand. If supply is already at a what, around 19 million or so coins, give or take, and the most we're going to have in Bitcoin is 21 million coins, those next 2 million or so are already going to come over, over to what, the next 90 or so years? Supply, let's call it stagnant. Demand, as it opens its door to more institutions, more high net worth clients, stagnant supply, increasing demand, that equals one thing, higher prices. Uh, so that's a very simple way of looking at it. There's other ways, but that's a very simple way of looking at Bitcoin. And one very solid reason as to why I believe uh, Bitcoin continues to move higher. And not as much coffee down here because it's so damn hot and you have to really drink a lot of agua. Um, so let's get into what, the, the kind of what we're going to talk about here today. We're talking about the Fed for a moment, then interest rates. And then I'm going to go through certain areas uh, that I believe uh, will do well in a rising interest rate environment. And then throw some stocks at you. i got about 10 stocks that I think uh, fit into those areas as well. Again, nothing buy or sell recommendation, just sharing ideas with you. So right now, uh, the 10-year is sitting at 1.46%. And that may surprise a lot of people. The reason for, the, for I think it surprised a lot of people is, you know, the Fed came out this week and uh, they basically moved ahead uh, the timing of when they think they'll start raising interest rates, uh, end of 2023. So still over two years away. Uh, but they moved that up, I believe it was 2024 prior to that. Uh, they said inflation is increasing. Inflation is, I don't, think, I don't know if they use the word concern or not, but that's what I got out of it. Uh, so inflation's a concern. Uh, but to me, the fact that we are all talking about inflation and and not just people who follow the market like myself and people on Wall Street and analysts and many of you watching, but the lay person as well. The person who may be involved in a market for a month and then forget about it for three months or two days and forget about it for two weeks. You know, just It's just more of a hobby, if you will, or it's just part of the, the, the reading that they do on the world. I, I, I view this as the fact that that most people I talk to here down here at the ranch, and I've met, I've met subscribers down here, or several subscribers, believe it or not, that they, they came up to me and said, I looked like Matt McCall, and I said, well, that's because I am Matt McCall. Um, I guess with the hat down and a rum and soda, it's tough to determine who I am. Uh, but if you know me, that's what I'm doing. So talking to them, uh, business owners, uh, just retired people, um, people who don't really care about the stock market, down here surfing, enjoying life, but they are asking about inflation. The, the, the fact that the masses know about inflation tells me that a lot of that is priced into the market already. Not all of it, but I think a lot of it has been priced in. 
<clears throat> let's move over to interest rates now. Uh, you know, with the Fed basically saying they will be raising interest rates sooner, not tomorrow, not next year, but sooner than previously anticipated. That to me should have shot interest rates up. And the day that they said that was Wednesday, and interest rates that day, looking at, uh, speaking of the 10-year, uh, went from about 1.48 earlier in the day, hit a high of 1.59. So it did spike. Yesterday they were down, today they're down again another 3.2%, down to 1.46%. This morning it hit 1.44%, the 10-year, the yield on the 10-year. And that intraday low was the lowest that we've seen since uh, first day of March. So that tells you, or first week of March, that tells you that what? I don't know, I'm still trying to figure it out. Does that mean that rising interest rates aren't an issue? Does that mean nobody believes the Fed that they're going to actually rise, raise interest rates? Or because it's just so far out still that it doesn't matter? It, it's, it's up for discussion. Uh, and if you want to like this and subscribe down below and comment, uh, I'd love to hear your comments as to why interest rates remain low, even though the Fed came out a little more what we call hawkish, meaning they're going to be going after it. Um, does this tell us that the economy is really not going to be that good? going forward? Is, is there a concern of that? Because interest rates are low and I just think, okay, the economy is going to struggle? Maybe. I think there's a lot of uh, uh, question marks going on there as to what the eventual outcome will be. So uh, another chart I want to show you here is pulling up right now. And, and this is going to be of the uh, US dollar. So here's a US dollar index. This is just an uh, ETF that tracks it. Look at the spike in the US dollar. And this is the US dollar versus a basket of major currencies. So you can see it's really come off the lows and it formed, I mean, that's a pretty distinct low right around at $24. Let me zoom out a little bit here and show you kind of the bigger picture of where, where uh, the dollar's been. You know, after spiking in 2020, it came down and then spiked after the, uh, the pandemic, obviously. That was like a pandemic spike and has been going lower since. Still in the downtrend. So it's, to me, it's not over yet, this downtrend, but it is forming a bit of a base. And here's the dollar going back uh, to uh, early 20, uh, 2007. It's really been all over the place, but it's about the same price. The dollar hasn't been moving up uh, in value at all. And let me show you here, again, let's go back to this 10-year yield, because I think this is important as well. This is the yield on a 10-year I'm about to pull up. Very distinct trend on this. Look at this. I mean, that is a downtrend, right? That is a downtrend. So believe it or not, interest rates have been falling in a trend just like that. That going down just like that for 35 plus years. So I believe that interest rates will increase over time from the 1.46 that we're now, it's actually spiking right now to 1.47. 1.46, 1 1.47. Will it hit 2%, 2.5% in the next couple of years? Yeah, there's a good chance it will. Uh, do I believe that, um, that that's going to lead to... Uh, this long-term downtrend changing? No, I don't. I, I don't think it leads to that. Uh, but as I do believe uh, that it will lead to a, a move up. I mean, it's not going to stay down below 1.5 forever. Let's, let's be real. But even if it goes at 2.5, it's still in a long-term multi-decade downtrend. It still uh, is extremely low, historically speaking. So we have to kind of look at this both ways. Do you really want to hedge your portfolio long-term against rising interest rates if you think the upside is only 2.5%? Or do you want to try to find some 
sectors, some stocks, some, some investments that are solid investments long term regardless, but also tend to do well with rising interest rate environment. And that's what I'm looking for. Something where I would like it anyway, but it just happens to do well in a rising interest rate environment. And as a top-down investor, I'm always looking to put as many factors in my favor when buying something. And that's just one more factor. So let's get into this. So where to invest? You always want to look for companies that have a good balance sheet. And you know you could call those financially stable companies, uh, sitting on a lot of cash, uh, little debt. Because if you have to go out and borrow as interest rates go up, you gotta pay more to borrow. So it makes perfect sense. You wanna have financially stable companies. And a lot of those are larger cap companies that are sitting on a ton of cash. Um, again, you know, I think you look at some of the big name companies like Apple and you know, uh, sitting on so much cash and all these other big ones. That's where you kinda of have to look if you're looking for, for that type of company. So more larger cap, stable type companies. And you can easily do a scan and look for companies with strong balance sheets, uh, with, with a, lot of man- a lot of cash, uh, low debt to equity ratios. That'd be a way to find that. Uh, the next area to look at, in my opinion, uh, financials, banks, uh, brokerage firms, uh, insurance companies. Because a lot of these firms, as interest rates go up, their margins on their lending increases. So as the margins increase, their profits increase. And I'm not going to get into the specifics of it because it might be over people's head. But just a very easy way to think about this is if I'm borrowing money from the Fed and I'm then loaning it back out, or I have money sitting here that, from deposits from my customers, and I can loan it at a higher interest rate, and you're not increasing their rate, they're getting paid that much more. The margin, the, the difference between what you're paying out for people, if, whether it's a customer that has money or money you're borrowing to relend, that goes up slightly, but what you're charging to go out increases more, incrementally more. Your margins increase, you make more money. Regional banks specifically, Big banks, brokerage firms, insurance companies all fall into this. So I got a couple I pulled up, and these are names you probably never heard of. Well, one of them you definitely heard of. But uh, Piper Sandler is the first one we're going to take a look at here, PIPR. Uh, you know, it's basically like, like a brokerage firm, research firm. But look at the great chart. Uh, this is a company that looks solid uh, just from a company standpoint. Uh, and then we, we take a look at some of the financials and see how big it is. I'm going to pull up all the information over here on the side. It's about a $1.77 billion company, so it's not that big. It's an investment banking company. Uh, they, everything from financial advisory services, uh, they do underwriting, uh, all types of stuff. You know, it's, a, it's a fairly well-known uh, company. So let's take a look at you know, some of its estimates. Believe it or not, you look at this, it's got a P-E ratio of about uh, 10.5. So it's estimated to make about $11.82 a share. So it's, it's definitely low valuation. Price of sales, about 1.29. The PEG ratio, which is price to earnings over growth, 0.85. So you're looking at a company that's really fairly valued, uh, to say the least. It's got a small dividend, 1.23%. But again, one that's in that financial sector that d- should do well in the event um, of, uh, of higher interest rates. But again, should do well no matter what, because as the economy does well, again, let's go back to this real quick. As interest rates go up, it's typically because the economy is doing well. They're, they're not going to be raising interest rates if the economy sucks. The economy is going to be doing well, which means more people using the services of somebody like uh, Piper Sandler. The next one is a big name company. I'm sure you've all heard of. Uh, and this is Citigroup. And I think it is now down 11 consecutive days, believe it or not. 
$140 billion company. It's got a dividend about 3%, so a decent dividend. Uh, you look at some of the numbers here, uh, it's estimated this year to bring in about $8.88 a share, so about a PE ratio of 7.6, very, very cheap. Uh, price to sales about 1.9, PEG 1.7. Uh, it's, it's obviously a huge, huge banking company. And you look at the chart and look at this pullback from 80 down to about 67 and change. I uh, take a look at a long-term chart here. This 80 level, this area has been big resistance for the last five years. So it's something to watch and to fail at it again. I don't understand why this has gotten beaten up so much, but I will show you a, uh, a financial ETF here in a moment and just how they've pulled back because I think a lot of people are betting on rising interest rates and, and because banks will trade with interest rates. So if it goes, the 10 year goes at 2.5, I would almost guarantee, and I can't guarantee anything, I think the odds are extremely high. You see uh, Citigroup blow through its old high and probably move to close to triple digits if the interest rates go up like that. So this could be a great hedge. And I see nothing wrong with Citigroup as a company. Um, and, and let's take a look at XLF. This is the uh, big financial ETF, very similar chart. They've all come down because they're pricing in interest rates going up. And when the Fed came out, even though I thought they were hawkish, uh, they, it didn't react that way. Um, so that's one to take a look at if you're looking big. Another one is, is a small, these are regional banks. And I tend to prefer the regional banks in a rising interest rate environment personally. Uh, you know, that's just me. Here's a Park National Corp. It's about a, just under a $2 billion company. So it's actually bigger than Piper. It is a, um, it's based in uh, Ohio. It's got 11 community banking um, divisions with more than 100 offices in Ohio, Kentucky. So if you're from that area, you might be familiar with Park National. It's got a dividend about 3.42%. So that's a decent dividend considering the 10 years paying uh, less than half that. Uh, it's looking for a uh, PE ratio this year based off earnings about $8.61, 13.9 PE ratio. Price to sales a little higher, 4.4. PEG ratio 0.25. So that means it's trading a little low compared to its growth, which is a good, good number. Uh, again, th these are smaller companies, $2 billion, doesn't trade that much. I'll show you the longer term chart on this uh, as I pull this up. And, and you'll see that you know, it's got a nice trend, pulled back, consolidating. Uh, as I mentioned, it's got a pretty nice uh, dividend at 3.42%. Uh, but again, it's taking a minute for the chart to pull up, so we'll come back to that here in a second. But those are three ways to look at uh, how you'd play the financials. Um, more of an indirect way with Piper, uh, City, obviously a big, large money center, and then PRK, a regional bank. Um, I'll go back here real quick and show you the long-term chart. There's the long-term chart on Park. As you can see, resistance, resistance, broke out, pullback, we're at a nice level. It, it's, it's, it looks nice uh, technically as well. So a couple other uh, areas uh, in, in kind of the financials is what, what are called bank loans, uh, floating rate funds, if you will. And these are uh, typically ETFs or closed-end funds that the interest rate is floating that you get your dividend that gets paid out is based on So as interest rates go up, the payment, the dividend increases. Whereas bonds, a typical bond ETF or a bond fund, as interest rates go up, the value of those bonds drop. There's an inverse relationship. So you'll see when that happens just how badly a bond fund uh, gets hit. And it's, it's not good. I mean, I'll pull one up here and show you in a second. But uh, as you can see here, let me zoom out a little bit. This is TLT. This is the uh, iShares 20 plus year treasury bond fund. And you can see where interest rates started going up from July down through March. 
this fund fell from the low 170s down to the low 130s. That's a huge move. That's 20 plus percent down. So the fact that you're getting a uh, very small uh, um, dividend out of it, you know, TLT pays a 1.5% dividend. That doesn't cover that at all. You're getting crushed owning bonds. Meanwhile, stock market's going up that entire time. So keep in mind that you want to have more of a floating rate uh, versus uh, just the bond funds in that type of environment. All right, let's keep moving on. Uh, just one more kind of not an investment, but if you're looking to buy something, a home, let's say, or borrow some money for a small business, interest rates are still historically low. Lock in long term now. If you're buying a home, lock in a 30 year. Leverage as much as possible. Put that as little as possible. To me, that's the key. I know a lot of financial advisors say, no debt, no debt. That's bullshit. If you could borrow money low, that's one of the one, you ask anybody who's wealthy, and that could be based off any number, whatever you perceive as wealthy. I will guarantee you that person has leveraged themselves. They've borrowed money and used that money to increase. Leverage is the greatest strategy, concept in life. Leverage your own time. Leverage everything. But people don't want to do it. Leverage is key. Smart leverage. Don't let just leverage just to do it. You don't borrow money at 12% to leverage it to make 10. You're obviously losing. It has to be smart leverage, but boy, it is important. All right, so a couple more here. Consumers, uh, consumer discretionary, because typically interest rates are going up, you're in a pretty good environment. Um, economically, that they do well. <coughs> Excuse me. So I'm going to look at a couple different areas here. Uh, let's take a look first at, it's a bit of play. It's de definitely consumer discretionary, but it's also a play on a continued housing boom, and that's restoration hardware. I noticed just the other day I got a $100 charge because I guess I'm an annual member or, or whatever it is. Even though I haven't bought anything from there in probably two years, but becoming a member a while ago saved me so much money on, on a large purchase I made. Look at this chart. This is just fantastic. And you always think to yourself, who's going to restoration hardware? Who's spending that much money? I never thought I'd spend that much money on a couch uh, when I was in Nashville, but I did. I walked in and I sat on this couch. I honestly thought it was the greatest thing I've ever sat on. I remember saying, I'll take it. And then the, uh, the person on his list said, don't you want to know how much it is? I said, I have an idea. It was about four times what I thought it was. So I, I ended up waiting and finding one on sale uh, because I just thought it was ridiculous to spend that much on a couch. But I got to tell you, I still have that couch. It's probably the most solid thing. It'll probably last 100 years. It's the heaviest couch I've ever, never really tried to pick up. Every time we move, the movers hate it. Um, it it's made in Indonesia, I remember, but it's just like pure, hard, real wood. It's unbelievable. So go back to restoration hardware here. This is a great looking chart. Uh, it's a uh, $14 billion company. Uh, it's just, it's estimates continue to move up. Uh, this year estimated to make $22.68 a share. Forward PE ratio of 26, forward price of sales 3.5. Peg ratio, which is very important for a company like this, 0.57. So you're seeing really, really big growth. You're seeing the uh, valuations be attractive, even though the stocks moved up so much. This is the type uh, of company that to me, I mean, you, you look at, oh, man, you know, earnings by 2026 are looking to be mid-30s uh, dollars per share. This is something you, you want to keep an eye on. I really think it continues to do well, uh, even though it's run quite a bit. Kind of on the other end of the spectrum, not necessarily uh, homes, but it's definitely what I would consider uh, consumer discretionary. 
uh, is, is a company that kind of plays off the toys aspect, if you will. Uh, when I say toys, it, it, these are going to be things uh, you really don't need. Um, a lot of things we don't need. You don't need an expensive couch like that either. Uh, but the name of the company is Polaris. Uh, they have off-road vehicles, side-by-side um, -side vehicles for recreational purposes, uh, for utility purposes, snowmobiles, uh, motorcycles, um, you name it, all kinds of accessories that go with it. Uh, so I'm sure you've heard of Polaris. You've seen it out there. It's about an $8 billion company. Uh, based here, obviously, in, in, in the U.S., based in Minnesota, which is cool. Uh, it's a good, good place. It makes sense, you know, snowmobiles and outdoor and all that kind of stuff up there. I'm waiting for a chart to pull up, and I'll show you here in a second. But let's take a look at the financials as, as we're doing this. And um, expected to make about $9.29 a share this year, up to ten twelve next year, ten sixty three next year. Forward P.E. ratio below 13. Uh, forward price of sales below 1. So still cheap in, in my mind as well. Um, again, I'll pull up the chart here for you in a moment. Th but again, this is the type of company, it's consumer discretionary. This does well because, again, if the economy is doing well, people have money, people have jobs. And don't forget, we have the highest level ever um, for checking accounts, savings accounts. Uh, I, I think this is, this is one that's very well positioned to continue to do well. And um, I apologize, I'll pull the chart. I'll go back to the chart uh, in a minute, but I'll keep moving along here in the show. Uh, the next one, again, kind of a, a complete shift from that, is uh, Guess. Uh, no, don't Guess, but it's actually Guess, the, uh, the, the designer. Uh, so Guess, G-E-S, $1.7 or so billion dollar company. So it's smaller. We all know Guess. I remember, remember Guess jeans back in the day, depending on how old you are. You used to roll them up real tight, the little tight roll up in the bottom. Man, what a bad look, but, I mean, people did it. So let me go back real quick. Here's Polaris. Uh, look at a great chart, breaking out, pulling back. Boy, this, this, this looks better and more I look at this. This, this is a nice-looking chart here. And, uh, again, the fundamentals I just went through make a lot of sense uh, to me. And, again, as more and more people get back to work, all this kind of makes, makes a lot of sense uh, to me. So this is, this is one I think we want to keep an eye on uh, in Polaris. So, all right, so let's go back. We'll talk about guests. As I said, $1.7 billion company. Um, you, know, you know, they're fashion. Uh, you, you've heard of it. They're uh, headquartered in California. Uh, you take a look at their estimates here. Uh, about $2.30 a share this year, $2.61 next year, $2.75 after that. Uh, revenue up to about two, almost $2.8, $2.9 billion in 2024. So you got a 4P ratio of 10. You got a 4 price of sales of 0.62. So that's what you want to see, too. Again, we're looking at sectors and stuff that I think will do well, but at the same time, uh, we're looking at a company that also looks nice fundamentally uh, as well. Here's Polaris long-term. Just to give you an idea of Polaris long-term. Breaking out, pulling back, looks really nice. Uh, let's pull up Guess here now. We'll see how long this takes. I got to tell you, I swear computers just move slower down here. Either that or you need a new damn computer. Uh, there's Guess uh, long-term, breaking out, pulling back. Boy, that looks fantastic at 26 level. Let me zoom in a little bit shorter term here, but boy, that 26 level looks nice. Again, pulling back off a high, uptrend line, man. It's nice when I'm doing these shows and I'm like finding ideas as I'm doing it because a lot of this stuff, as you know, is off the cuff when I'm doing it. So, all right, so let's move on to the next sector uh, we're going to talk about here. Uh, this is basically the industrials. The industrials, again, tend to do well uh, during inflationary times. 
because uh, companies and industries are, industries are doing well, spending more money. I talked about this stock, I believe, uh, not too long ago, Aon, A-A-O-N, HVAC, all that type of stuff. This will do well uh, if an infrastructure bill gets passed. A lot of nice looking things uh, with this company pulling back from the high. Uh, again, it's one that it may not be the most exciting to you. And, and a lot of times I talk about very exciting stocks, uh, but this is one that, you know, it's an HVAC. It's air conditioning, heating, stuff that's needed. People look to upgrade it, especially if companies are flush with cash. That's, that's a good way to look. Uh, it's about a $3.26 billion company. Uh, you look at the financials and uh, you see here, it's not the cheapest thing. For, uh, forward PE ratio of 40, price to sales 5.8, peg 4.7. So it's not the cheapest by far, but I still see some upside potential. I love the pullback that uh, we have seen here uh, in, in Aon. Now there's two big names I wanna throw out there and two names that have gotten hit here recently. Uh, one of them is, is Caterpillar. And maybe it's found the bottom here. I mean, it is really uh, beaten up now. RSI is way down. After hitting an all-time high, it's had a hell of a pullback. You know, Cat's a, a big name. Again, infrastructure play, uh, big industrial play. It trades a 4P ratio of 17.5, price to sales 2.1. Uh, estimated to be, make about $9.86 a share this year, but by 2023 up to 1404. So you're looking at, uh, at what, four and change? You're almost looking at 50% increase in two years for a company this size. Pretty damn impressive. Again, $115 billion company. Now let's go a little smaller, but you know, they're not the same, but they, you can consider it a little bit the same. They're both you know, construction machinery and very similar charts. And this is Deere, about a $102 billion company. They're the world's leading manufacturer of agricultural equipment. Uh, I love the ag angle here. Uh, we'll take a look at the estimates for this. A little bit uh, you know, similar where it's got 4P ratio 16, price to sales 2.3, peg ratio 0.35, very low. Estimated a uh, earnings per share about 18 bucks this year about 22 and a quarter in two years from now. So the gross not quite as high, but a little nice, nice valuations. And this pullback from 400 down to uh, about 320, so 329 right now. I like those pullbacks. I like when you see stocks that like this that are on sale that pullback. Uh, especially the, these are solid companies. They have the cash, they have pricing power too. So as you have inflation coming in, they have pricing power. People are going to continue to buy Caterpillar. They're going to continue to buy Deer. They're not going to go the generic brand. It's just what they're going to do. So industrials are another angle I think that we need to take a look at. And the last sector theme here uh, is healthcare. Because when it comes to healthcare, it's, it's an expense you're not going to uh, get cheap with. I mean, it's just not something where you're suddenly going to be like, well, I'm not going to go take care of my health. I hope not, at least. So I have two very different angles I'm looking at here. Two companies that are that are small, you may not have heard of. Uh, one is Inari. I-N-A-R-I is the name of the company. Similar as N-A-R-I. It's about a uh, $4.6 billion company. It's a medical device company. Uh, they use uh, developing products to treat patients suffering from venous, venous diseases, V-E-N-O-U-S. <clears throat> basically removes uh, clots from peripheral blood vessels, treats patients suffering from um, deep vein thrombosis. Uh, it's a very, very cool uh, looking device. It's, as I mentioned, $4.6 billion company. Earlier stage company, let's, let's put it that way. Uh, it's not a, a company that is going to be you know, flush with cash. And, and, but the thing is, 
it is making money already. It's estimated to bring in 36 cents a share this, this uh, year, which is nice. And, and that's, that's important because it's taking away from a very, very early stage, but you know, you have uh, annual revenue growth about 20% the next couple of years. By 2025, looking at uh, over $520 million. Uh, uh, earnings per share looking to uh, continue to increase, not as big, about 7%. I think you're gonna be reinvesting a lot of that revenue back into growth. Uh, but it is one to keep an eye on. It ran up to a new all-time high. It's pulled back, uh, looking decent uh, right there in that area. The next one is one I think I talked about recently. Uh, this is Natera, uh, N-T-R-A. Uh, and this is a company that is uh, prenatal uh, testing, uh, very easy uh, kind of through, through blood tests for prenatal. And th that's the type of stuff, again, that I love to see because it's, it's something that if you're having a child, you're not going to cut costs on that. Uh, looking for annual revenue growth going forward over 17.5%, uh, earnings growth annually going forward 21%. So this is a company, again, regardless of rising interest rates, you're not going to see people cut, cut back on this. And, and that's, that's where you want to look. You have to think outside the box. You can't just think, well, okay, interest rates are going up. Let's look at this boring-ass investment. No, there's other ways to look at it. This is about, about a $9.1 billion company. Uh, again, looking at estimates here, it's going to be losing money for the foreseeable future, but revenue is increasing pretty nicely. Uh, $566 million this year, up to $825 million by 2023. And we should see, to see that continue to increase uh, by 2025, over $1.11 billion. So that's what you like to see, money coming in. And then looking at break-even right around 24, 25. So I always talk about this a path to profitability. And this company has a path to profitability. And again, it's in such a niche area that I just don't see, and it's, you're not cutting costs on your, on, your, on your future children. It just doesn't make sense. So, so that's where we stand. I mean, we, we got a lot of cool stuff out there. Uh, again, none of these are buyers or sellers. I have no exposure on these stocks. But I just want to give you an idea of, of ways that you can hedge against rising interest rates. But at the same time, not give up upside potential of investing in good companies. And that's what the, the I'm trying to get across here in today's show, uh, that that can happen. Let's take a look at the markets here real quick before we wrap it up. It's 9.43 here in Nika. So 11.43, Friday, June 18th, 2021, East Coast time. We got the S&P down about uh, 54 points or so, 1.28%. Uh, let's take a look at the ARC, which I like. Uh, about two tenths percent holding on to where it was when we started the show. The Dow, which is what all the... BS major media is going to be talking about it down about 478 points, a little off the low, down 1.4%. But again, only 4.5% off an all-time high, folks. It's Friday. It's nice outside, a little cloud cover. Uh, surf's kind of a little low, which is nice. I might be able to get out with my leg that's healed. Uh, I hope everybody has a wonderful, wonderful uh, weekend. Uh, be safe, be sound, uh, be happy, more importantly. Uh, and again, thank you so much for supporting me and, and the show for over a year now. Uh, well over a million views, over 21,000 followers. It's freaking awesome. Don't forget, you can follow me on Twitter at Matthew McCall. Uh, a lot of new exciting things around the corner. I can't wait to tell you about them. Uh, but in, in the meantime, let's keep chugging along. Let's keep being happy. Let's keep looking through the BS that's in the media uh, and people are telling you. And let's just focus on the big picture, focus on what we know, how we know how to do it, work hard, put our head down, don't cause trouble, a little bit of trouble, and just have fun. And again, be safe along the way. Go out there, tell somebody you love them, give them a hug. I'll be back Tuesday. 
I'm Matt McCall, and this has been your Money Line. Money Line with Matt McCall. Matt McCall. To find more information, head over to McCallMoneyWire.com. That's McCallMoneyWire.com.